Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a special guest today. Hi, I'm Daniel. We got Daniel in the house. He looks amazing. His outfit is slamming. We got tie-dye pants. Uh, what is on your shirt? It's just uh, assorted psychedelic weird prints like in a, in a little mix mash. I love it. Thank you. Look amazing. <laughs> yeah, our outfits are boring. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty excited Actually, about yeah, this piece right cool now. Y'all look snazzy, too. Yeah. Um, this is a vintage, like, late 80s, early 90s. Not sure. Nice. And my mom was getting rid of some stuff, and I was like, you. <laughs> and my husband can wear it, <laughs> so we'll both cozy. benefit. <laughs> I love unisex clothes that we can share. Right? It's handy. Uh, and the audience can't see any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we take a picture. That's yeah, true. That's go. true. Very true. Good point. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm going to let Emery properly introduce you, Daniel, since cool. we just met. Yeah. yeah, I've known Daniel, Daniel Riddlesmith, for, ooh, good Lord, since like sixth or seventh grade. Sixth, yeah. We went to Crosby and Eastern together. And it's one of those things where, and we were talking about this before, where you see someone that you haven't seen in years, but you're like, oh, wait, I feel like I've seen you yesterday. But it's really just because you saw them on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd see updates and I knew like he had recently got married and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like, I feel like I, you know, yeah, I've seen this person recently, but like, no, 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 it's been, I mean, probably since the last, like, I guess, high school, high school reunion. reunion. Yeah. Which um, we didn't have the last one. So it was yeah. like. It was six, seven years ago. Uh, yeah, I think our ten-year reunion. So yeah. that have been two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. My sister graduated, which is weird. That is. Weird. <laughs> she graduated some Eastern fifteen when I graduated in <laughs> 05. <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, yeah. So I've. Um, yeah, known Daniel since yeah, I guess sixth grade. So it's been a long, long time, hmm. and uh, really glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. I love like how you've kept up with so many friends, Emery. From like we have people on the show from like. Your like elementary school days. I don't. I I listened to the Zach episode the other day. It was really good. I don't don't know how to let go. Yeah. Yeah. If if you become friends with Emery, it is for life. You're stuck. Fair warning. (laughs) Even if you don't want to be, you're stuck. (laughs) Yeah, Zach. I knew. God, I first met Zach in like kindergarten. Nice. Like first grade. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like, and then we reconnected like in middle school and high school, and it was like, oh yeah, like Zach's great. Mm -hmm. And then also like. You know, there's things that I, I feel like people have grown up and they've just grown into such like wonderful people that mm. I'm just like, I want to get to know them again or be around yeah. them some more because like these are people that were in my life that I only knew in certain aspects. But now it's like, look at these great, wonderful adults mm-hmm. that I just want to hang out with and see more. So it's like a nice little reunion every time. Yeah. I just have a terrible memory. The only person I can think of from kindergarten right now is a kid named Max with an eye patch that I had a huge crush on, <laughs> which I don't think I have to justify from the information I just gave you. Yeah. That's Max good. with an eye patch. Like, you don't have to tell us you had a crush. Yeah. I mean, we know. Like, yeah. He was smoking hot. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as a 35 year old talking about a five year old. This is my five year old self saying he was we, smoking no, hot. I get, we I get it. I totally get that. I also yes. don't know if it was like. A permanent eye patch situation. <laughs> I only remember him with the eye patch. All right. But Maybe. like generally that's not a thing that a kid wears for long term. It could no. have been like a yeah, it could have been yeah, like his thing. I'm thinking short term crush, short term eye patch. <laughs> it could be you only crushed on him when you saw him with the eye patch. As soon so you forgot. He took about it off, him, I was just, like he was dead to yeah, me. You're like, who you're are, are you? Yeah. Who's this loser? Yeah. I had a crush on Kelly. That's, I don't even remember her last name. I just remember her name was Kelly. And that's all <laughs> I remember. But yeah. 
Nice. But she didn't have an eye patch, so I guess she's not nearly as cool as Max. <laughs> I'll always have regrets about Max. <laughs> <laughs> if I just stabbed him in the eye, we could have been together forever. <laughs> you, should have, you should give an eye patch to Seth. Like, be like, hey, why don't you, you just wear, why don't you wear this one day? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be you know, walk around the me. house with one eye, one eye patch on. That'd be great. Like, Watch him bump into, into this. stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway. Yeah. The business. Okay. Before we business. we launch into it. You're listening to Two Nights in a Pod on 1065 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, Castbox, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on social media platforms. On Facebook, Two Nuts in a Pod with the number two spelled out, T W O. And on Instagram, Two Nuts in a Pod with the number two, like the actual number two. Two nights in a pod, so you can find us on Instagram as well. That's where all the cool people hang out, I guess. Hmm. And um, you can also reach us anytime by email, two nights in a podcast at gmail.com. If you have questions about the show, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to connect with one of our guests, whatever it is, uh, feel free to email us anytime, day or night, and one of our interns will answer. Yep. How many interns are we at right now? We're 700. 700. Okay. We dropped a little bit from last We dropped some, week. yeah. They just, some just aren't really working out well for us, you know? Yeah. Kind I of mean, a, our I response run a, a quick rotation is, on those, probably. Yeah. I run a tight ship. So, like, you know, if you don't produce results, you're out of here. We also require all of our interns to be as sad as us. Yeah. And that's a good thing that's and a it. bad thing. There's a lot of sadness. They're not in that very room. productive. A lot of them just moping around. The rest of y'all, but just going. <laughs> just clicking one button at a time. Just like, I can't do this. Everyone's just looking out the window, sleeping at their desk. <laughs> can't blame them though yeah Mm -hmm. we had had to find people as sad as us and that's it's a good thing and a bad thing as you said (laughs) Um, but yeah send us an email anytime we'll answer yep maybe maybe we won't who knows yeah uh so (laughs) first segment how are you for real yep um so this is where we just real talk about our actual feelings instead of just you know giving the polite answers on what's going on in our lives and it's okay if you're doing well too but, you know, give me some deets. I just don't want to hear, like, I'm fine. You know? Like, let's have a real conversation. I'm hunky-dory. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with Emery. How are you for real? It always starts with me. Man, it's so hard. Because I introduce it. <laughs> I know you introduce it. So you're you like, well, I'm not starting with myself. No, no. Uh, so I would say I feel pretty positive. I feel a little, um, there's a lot of newness in my life. Hmm. Well, there's only one specific thing. So like we've talked about my up and down dating life on the show before. Uh, I do now have a, a girlfriend, you know, it's official, official girlfriend, boyfriend status. And, you know, there's just like, for me who hasn't, I haven't had that in a long time in my life. I'm just like, did I forget like what to do? Mm-hmm. Like how to do this? Like, why am I so bad at this? And it also takes practice. <laughs> yeah, it takes practice. And also I don't like that trope of like, oh, you know, uh, you know, if you're in like a, a heterosexual relationship, like if the man's always wrong about stuff, the woman's always right. But like literally like so many things I was like, yeah, I, I was wrong on that. Like, and I can be like kind of a, I can be a little bit of a nitpicker and I can argue but then I'm just like, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, yeah, I was like totally wrong about this. Like, I misjudged this completely. So it's a lot of that in my life right now. Where I'm just like, wait a second. I didn't think of it from that perspective. And one thing that is different for me is I'm a very like, 
especially if there's like a problem or an issue or emotions are involved, I'm like, let's talk about it right now. Mm. I'm like, boom, mm. let's talk about it. And let's talk about it for like three hours mm. and spill everything out. A lot of people are not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I have found that out because it's like, it's one of those things where you, you think the way you handle and address issues or problems or situations or you process emotions, like you think like you're right. The way you do it mm. is the only way that makes sense to you. And other people, they do it a weird way. But then the more I got to like ask people, they were like, oh yeah, like that's how I process emotions. Like I need space. Like give me like a few hours to like think things through mm -hmm. and calm down and like I'm fine. And me, I was like, oh, that seems like such a foreign concept to me. Like you need space to think about this stuff. Like so that that's been like even adjustment there and like realizing like, oh, like maybe like. I, I don't know. It's like seeing things from a different perspective and be like, I guess maybe people just process things differently and I need to like accept that and learn from it and, and also respect that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think in the past I did not respect that with mm -hmm. people. It was very much like my way type of thing, my way or the highway. And that's obviously not a healthy way to do those type of things, but it's just kind of the way I process things. And I was like, okay, this is, this is how we're doing it. We're going to have a talk for three hours. And people don't really like that, I found <laughs> out. <laughs> and I realized how exhausting that can be for people. And that mm -hmm. can be like mentally and emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's like, hey, let's talk about this thing. And the person's like, I haven't even had time to think about that. Or like, yeah. it's very much on your schedule, Emory. And not, the, you know, it's not being, you know, respectful of like how they process things. So like, that's been just a learning thing for me as well. And that's something I'm really happy that I'm learning mm -hmm. and learning to like undo those type of behaviors that I did from the past. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting for sure. It's good that you're able to recognize that and like, you know, see when you are wrong or when you're like, Oh, oops, too far. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I even sometimes where I'll say stuff, I'll be like, Ooh, crap, I shouldn't have said that. Being <laughs> like, and I realized I kind of had like, you know, like I have, you know, deal with codependency I have like anxious attachment issues. Like, you know, I'm just very much like, <laughs> if you don't talk about it with me right now, then you must hate me and you don't want to be with me and nobody loves me. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like dreadful thinking, but it's like, Hey, no, like it's just people process and do things differently than you. And that's okay. Yeah, totally. Well, and I feel like you learn that the most in like just your really close relationships and especially mm -hmm. like romantic relationships. It's so easy with other, like with, friendships to like avoid conflict mm. and then you never really like get into things with someone um so you don't actually learn like you never have that like meta dialogue about like how do you prefer to communicate and and any of that but uh yeah i'm um i'm just like you <laughs> <laughs> and uh my husband is definitely like a space person but like his amount of space he needs has gotten shorter and shorter over time because he knows the longer time of space, like, the more uncomfortable and anxious I get. So yeah. I'm just like a mess by the time. So at this point, it's like I really like give him, you know, he, he just takes like 10 to 20 minutes to process if we like just like got mad at each other about something or, you know, I say said something that, you know, he took as critical. Um and then if I if he just gets that space, then it's like we're both calm. Like for me, it's like there's no reason to communicate when your anger is triggered. Like for me, it's helpful to just I've, I've realized it doesn't escalate if I wait until, you know, 
I get through, like, I've felt the anger and, like, accepted it and let it sit for a minute. And then I can kind of, like, you know, be in a better space to communicate. Mm. So I feel like I learned that from him. And so it's like we've kind of merged. Yeah. Found a good balance. Yeah. I guess, I don't know how I said I was, but positive, scattered in some ways, a lot of newness, but it's exciting too. And it's also like, I think it's very good for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that's nice. it. So how are you for real, Lizzie? Uh, I am good. Uh, I've been trying to figure out lately if I'm like fatigued or depressed or both. Like I'm having a hard time like figuring out, but I'm just like really tired lately. And I think it's like, I think it's a lot of stress because I just have a lot. I mean, I don't have a ton going on, but with my like state of mental health right now, like everyday tasks are, you know, still a little overwhelming mm. as it is not crippling overwhelming, mm. but like, cause I'm coming out of like a dark mental state and I'm feeling better. So it's, but it still just feels like there's not enough time in the day Yes, and that like, I just, my brain can't focus. And probably a lot of us feel like that cause of like this collective trauma of like COVID, like it's yeah. really hard to focus. Mm. Um, but like I was talking to my therapist about it and like when I get stressed, it's, you know, it really sucks, but that's when my anxiety and perfectionism like kick up. So it's like, not only am I stressed out, but I'm like putting extra pressure on myself to like perform really well. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she said that like, you know, that I should try pushing the word should out of my vocabulary and, you know, instead asking myself just like, what is enough, hmm. you know, forget all the shoulds, you know, because a lot of that is just stuff that's been drilled into us culturally about being productive all the time. And mm -hmm. that's what all of our self-worth is. It's like, mm -hmm. no, what is enough? You know, what is functional for you? Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me to have dishes in the sink. It truly doesn't. It doesn't bother me to have clothes in the laundry basket that sit there for a week or two weeks. My pool table has a mountain of laundry on it right now. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to get to it eventually. It's like, if it doesn't bother me, why am I stressing out about it? It's because yeah. I've got these like internal voices in my head mm -hmm. of like other people, you know, telling me like, Oh, this is bad. You're messy. Somehow that's a moral failure. Messes are not, there's someone on TikTok I follow. I think she's called like struggle care is her account, but it's like, she talks about how like messes are morally neutral. Mm -hmm. yep. There's nothing immoral there's nothing wrong with it. about having a messy house. And a lot of it's people like there's that level of ADHD where the organized clutter, it is cluttered, but you know where everything is. And as soon as somebody tries to clean it up for you, then you're like, where's that? Where's this? Where's my thing? I thought it was over here in this pile of nonsense. Yes. <laughs> and then it's, yeah. Then you don't know where anything is because it's clean. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, neurotypical people have like defined what productivity is. Yes, and mm. it's not always accurate. Yeah, um, and it's not healthy for neurotypical people either to stress that much about productivity. But mm. I kind of, I started to develop a couple more questions like that that have really helped me in the past like week. So like I start with like, what is enough? Um, and then... I'll go to the question, like, do I truly care? Hmm. 
like like i said i don't care about dish like you know do i truly care about this mm -hmm. and then the third question is like is this outside of my control so am i am i stressing about something that like i can't do anything else mm -hmm. until i hear back from another person that's out of my control i just i'm wasting emotional energy stressing about that mm -hmm. totally uh, so those that's been really helping me i think i'm going to stick with those questions for a while especially getting through this stressful period that i'm in right now mm. um which should you know alleviate soon i'm just basically i'm applying to a graduate school program for the Ooh. fall and there's a lot of like i'm it's for clinical mental health counseling nice uh and uh i'm really excited about it and mm. i really want to do it and i've put off this application for i've known i wanted to do this for like well i knew i wanted to go back to do something some sort of program where i could do therapy i thought about social work but i've been thinking about this for like two years mm. and i like decided on this program like six months ago nice. and the deadline is march 1st <laughs> so you got a couple weeks left yeah and yeah it just i feels it feels like self-sabotage and then it makes me feel like does that mean I don't really want this? No, the, sometimes the the pressure of the last minute it, it pulls out the gems, pulls out the good that you, you know, if you tried to start writing it before, you'd be like, what am I going to write about? But now you're like, oh, I got to go, do, 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 get it done. And it's, it's going to pull, you know, what's supposed to come out. Yeah. One thing that's helping me is like in my, the writing that I need to do for the application, I'm trying to just be as genuine as possible. Mm. If I catch myself saying something that I just think they want to hear, then I'll like delete it. Yeah. Because I, I truly think this is a match for me and it's more fun to write this stuff from a space of like authenticity. Absolutely. Like, here's really where I want it. So and they'll appreciate that more. Yeah. Cause you know, everybody can has a BS meter with mm -hmm. these things and they see the same stuff over and over again, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I'm really, really happy for you. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope, that, I hope that works out. I should have it done in the next like week, and then I can just like take a deep breath, and then I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't have to think about this for a while. Um, so I'll definitely have it, like, I'm definitely going to have it done by March 1st. <laughs> like, I'll have the application done in the next week, but I've got to apply to financial aid and stuff, so that's going to take another week or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I have that done, I feel like I'll be able to just like, you know, focus on like self, just self-care and work again. Totally. And be able to stop worrying about it. Um, but, you know, pretty proud of my coping skills right now. Yeah, Feeling, that's yeah. good stuff. Totally. I'm loving my new therapist. I was so attached to my last one that I thought I was just going to like hate any new person mm -hmm. I met. And she recommended... If you if you had a good therapist and she's leaving, trust who who that person mm. recommends. Because it'll be somebody like them. Yes. Totally. They and she nailed it. So I'm like. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been very helpful and very necessary. So Daniel, how are you for real? Well, I'm a little bit nervous, but also excited <laughs> about all this that we're doing today. Uh, also, like you said, a little overwhelmed. Life is just, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> different, different 
things with different groups that I'm helping organize and trying to like keep it all straight in my head of what's when and what day and trying to promote them all too. And it's like, uh, so much. And I'm also going out of town tomorrow for a concert. So that's exciting, <laughs> but also like got to fit it in and still do all the other things. Um, I'm also hungry. <laughs> oh. I'm very hungry. Today is, uh, the first day of my fast, I'm a Baha'i. I don't know if y'all have heard of uh, yeah. the Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. So each year, the last month or the well, second to last month of the year, which Baha'i months are 19 days, 19 months in a year. And we all fast for that 19 days, which not like I don't eat all for the 19 days, but I have to get up before sunrise, eat breakfast, go back to take a nap. <laughs> and then we don't get to eat dinner until after sunset okay so you're only allowed to eat in the night time hours um but it's still like this first day especially is like i want lunch (laughs) but it's okay it's it's nice i like i like doing it it's a rewarding because it's part of the whole thing of like thinking about god and going over your you know um readings and prayers and stuff while you're when you're hungry (laughs) you feel that hunger and you think about why you're doing it and yeah it's good. Hmm. Um, so for people who don't know, so Baha'i, it's B-A-H-A-I? Yes, with a little apostrophe before the I. Um, but yeah, Baha'i faith is uh, probably, I guess, one of the newest world faiths that uh, it came out in around 1850s is when this man start formed this religion. And it's um, the basic idea is that all religions come from God. We're all the creations of him, uh, it, whatever, the universe. And it's all about the unity and oneness and just equality between all things, all people, all races, men, women, religion, whatever. It's all equal. As long as you find your truth in it and you find love, it, you know, you're good. That's awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot. I found it actually. I found you a good fan of The Office, right? Mm-hmm. You like The Office a lot. Yep. Rain, Rain Wilson uh, is a Baha'i. Oh, really? And in his autobiography, um, the audiobook version, he added a chapter at the end explaining more about the faith because so many people wrote him asking, what's this Baha'i you mentioned in the book? What's that about? Yeah. And so he added a whole chapter on it. And uh, I was just listening to his audiobook one day. And when I got to that part, I was like, wait a minute. This is all things that I already believe. Yeah. Like, where are these people? Who are they? How can I find them? So I just looked it up online and found the local Louisville chapter. And I've been going every Sunday ever since. We do Zoom meetings now. So anybody can just jump in on Zoom and hang out with us. And it's a good time. That's very cool. That's awesome. I consider myself agnostic. So like that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff really resonates with me. Mm -hmm. Um. That and like Unitarianism and mm-hmm. yeah. um, Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's really cool. Well, that's what I like. We, we, in our things, like we don't just read, you know, Baha'i quotes. It's always like on a subject and it's verses from all of the religions. So we'll have some Buddhist quotes, some Christian, um, some from the Quran, some from, you know, Zoroaster, every, everything, all the, mm-hmm. all the faiths, yeah. the Indian faith, you know, whatever. Very nice. Or Native American. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. I like it a lot. I feel like spirituality, you know, just can really help with mental health. For sure. When you really find what works for you, which is different for everyone. That's the thing. That's why there's so many faiths, because it's all different for everybody. 
Yeah. But when you find like that, we're all just looking for truth and we're all looking for the same thing. Yeah. You know, that was my issue with, I like, I was raised atheist Hmm. and I feel like I just was really disconnected from myself spiritually as a result. And that's, that's not to say that that's the case for all atheists at all. Um, you know, spirituality is all about finding our sense of meaning on this planet in this universe. Like that does not have to be religious. Uh, but for me, you know, the way I was raised, uh, I was just, you know, very hypercritical of anything Hmm. to do with, you know, spirituality. Totally. And so in adulthood, I've been more like exploring and just like, you know, I, I think it's really important to Mm. be in touch with spirituality, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. And again, you can be an atheist, but Totally. Yeah, I was raised Christian, and uh, I would probably consider myself now agnostic. Um, but it's also just like, you know, you have some like not so positive experiences sometimes growing up, like in certain faiths and religions, and then you just kind of like write write it all off. Or I know that I kind of just like was just like, well, it's all crap. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's very much like, and that's and that's that's not really fair on my part. I mean, obviously, you go through and experience things. And you're just like, this is really negative. I don't like this. But then it's also like, well, I haven't really been open to, like, other faiths and religions. So, like, maybe I should explore that more. So even, like, hearing you talk about this, like, it just, like, you know, kind of reinforces the idea of, like, hey, Emery, like, spirituality does, it. it is something meaningful in your life. So, like, why not, like, explore hmm. and see? Because you really haven't given, you haven't given it a chance. Hmm. You're basically just, like, yeah, just written it off and, like, okay, whatever. But, like, without giving it a chance, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I was raised Southern Baptist and similar, like there was time specific moments in my life where I was like, I, I believe in Jesus and I believe in his message of love and acceptance and understanding and peace, but I cannot deal with these Christians. Yeah. <laughs> like the way yeah. that they're doing it, they're misinterpreting so much and hating. There's so much hate in the Christian faith nowadays. And it's, 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 it's hurts. Cause that's not what it's about. It's not what any of it should be about. All religions should be about love and compassion and truth and acceptance and you know yeah and it makes you it and that's what sucks is because i know there's a lot of people who have had similar experiences mm-hmm. to what i'm talking about like it was just like yeah like i had some bad experiences because like even growing up and it was like especially during my teen years and there was like just so much work from a lot of christian churches about like same-sex marriage and that really really bothered me because mm-hmm. i was like just let people get married they exactly. love each other who cares love like, is love get away from them <laughs> like stop bothering them like with this stuff but like it was such a reinforcement in the and especially in louisville like you know and this is a state where like we had that constitutional amendment to, to define marriage between a man and a woman and that was like 70 percent to 30 percent like 70 percent approved this constitutional amendment i was like this is bonkers to mm-hmm. me like i don't want to be affiliated with a religion that like is so focused on issues like this that like it's not about the actual teachings at all well, that and abortion yeah the christianity against abortion is so much that they d- would rather you have the baby and then just they're like i had one guy yell at me down there one day said i'll raise that kid if you have the baby i'll i'll, I'll adopt it i'm like oh, really really guy you're, you're saying this right now to me come on yeah you're joking yeah. You will not. You do not care about that baby once it's born. You just want it to be born to control these women. Yeah. Like, oh, it makes me so mad. 
Yeah. Sorry. So I do volunteer as an escort at the the clinic here in town, and um, yeah, that's been a very eye opening experience. But it also like it connects me back to that part of the Christian religion that really bothers me, mm-hmm. and is sit with it's just a very negative space for me in my head, and like, but also just like hey, like that stuff when I was a kid, I know it meant a lot to me. And like when I would hear certain teachings and certain mm-hmm. passages, I'd be like, man, that resonates so well with me. But like this other stuff I really don't like. So like maybe it like it opens up in my eyes. It's like, hey, maybe let, let, let's explore some other options. Totally. Like and as, as you've done yourself, which I really commend, like you've done that. And like and it's like, man, maybe I should like look into other things because I feel like I'm I feel stunted in that area where I'm just like I, I want to explore more and I haven't. Because I've been so rooted in this, and a lot of that is like very negative energy, mm-hmm. and me kind of still holding on to some negative things from the past. I mean, like that amendment, even though I freaking hate it, and the abortion stuff, yeah, as we talked about, mm-hmm. like, but it's, I don't want that to sit with me really. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go into like a religious faith or experience and be like, this is really positive for me. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I've never, you know, I've, I've had a lot of, similar like issues with christianity Mm -hmm. but it's like you know i've done like you know as a lit lit major i you know did some bible studies and i'm like jesus sounded like a cool dude he was a cool dude i would love (laughs) to hang out with him jesus was a super liberal hanging out with the drinkers and the damblers and all the people he was like come on hang out with me yeah while everybody else was shunning him, which is just, where we are like again a now. Cool hippie, and and he was a super cool hippie. And then like, you know, patriarchal conventions just got like written into the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you've got this cool dude in the center of weird things, like you mentioned the homosexuality stuff. Uh, point homosexuality actually it wasn't a word. That idea concept didn't exist. In Bible times, they didn't change it to homosexuality until like the 1920s or something. Oh, wow. Before that, the word specifically meant pedophilia. Hmm. So to be, you know, a pedophilic, pedophilia, you know, that was bad behavior is looked down upon, not man and man or woman and woman. If you're adults, you're adults. Who cares? Interesting. Leave people alone. Yeah. Just let people be. Totally. Yeah. And you also like, I would argue to the church, be like, you're literally turning away so many potential members and people who want to be a part mm-hmm. of this. Like, you are hurting yourselves mm-hmm. by doing this, by shutting the doors on people. Like, you're just making it more difficult for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want more people to know about your faith, like, why would you tell them they're going to go to hell? And like, they're awful. Like, I watched the Tammy Faye Baker specials this past yeah. weekend, and they're all about that. She was the, one of the first people to say on TV... God loves you just as you are, no matter who you are, gay, straight, whatever. God loves you. And, you know, that was the first time a lot of people heard that. Yeah. You know, they were like, but I'm, I'm not okay, but she's saying, yes, you are. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, that is what a lot of people then started shunning her and getting her kicked off TV because of that type of behavior. Yeah. It's like, why? Why go get so mad at spreading love? Yeah. I don't get it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we do. We're, we've got to take a quick break. But we will be right back. Two Nights in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nights in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. 
In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMP LP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. All right, we are back with Daniel Riddlesmith. Hey. Uh, So happy to have you here today. And uh, we are going to launch into the segment where we really kind of dig into Daniel's brain a little bit. Uh, just do a little dissection. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go into that, uh, I just wanted to give a little quick statement that we will be talking about a controversial subject, which is the use of plant medicine and also illegal substances as alternative therapeutic treatments. So this content, you know, might not be for everybody. If you got kids around, you probably want to switch that dial off, (laughs) Um, come back to Ford Radio later. But uh, this is a topic that I think influences a lot of people and is getting a lot of attention and research. Um, But we do need to specify that what we talk about today doesn't in any way represent Ford Radio's uh, perspectives or any of the programmers or board members or anyone involved with Ford Radio. Um, We're not representing their perspectives here. So... With that said, um, (laughs) Daniel, the first thing we like to ask is just kind of what made you want to come on the show? Like what made you feel comfortable sharing your experiences? Uh, So I felt comfortable because partially it's Emory's show and, you know, known each other for a long time. And I felt comfortable being able to share with um, a friend as opposed to a stranger. (laughs) But uh, I wanted to come share some of this because there's just been so much stigma and misinformation about some of these substances going um, for 60 years now. Um, So much, 60, almost 100, if you're talking about marijuana, it's almost 100 years that it's been illegal. Um, And, you know, we're finally almost figuring it out. Um, But even like, you know, the psychedelic stuff, there's, you know, so much fear around it that it's just it's not necessary it's you know these things are to me these things are these substances are a gift from god just as much as a rose bush or whatever else you'd consider you know message or gift from god Hmm. yeah and we talked a little bit um before recording about how there's just a lot of or there has been a real like smear campaign against, mm. you know, not only like marijuana, but, you know, psychedelics mm. and like uh, LSD wasn't even illegal until 1966. Before that, it was perfectly legal. But then because of the peace and love movement and all the things I could talk about this forever. We're not going to get into this part, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, the government said no, because, it you know, went against their ideas of war. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So maybe we can like back up to just some of like your experiences with mental health that have led you to, to these like alternative. Totally. Yeah. I want to, I was going to hit on a couple of 
some early life things where I experienced or watched um, people experiencing grief in a close manner um, that led me to where now using these substances, I'm finally kind of coming to accept and understand um, that grief and, you know, grow from it. But yeah, so early, we'll just jump right in. Early stuff, um, before I even knew, you know, what the idea of parents were, uh, mine were already divorced. So we were, you know, separated and I watched that in my early years of them just fighting and yelling and just the stuff and some of my earliest memories are just crying um but yeah then soon after <clears throat> when i was around four uh i got the experience of um watching my grandfather die uh, we were hanging out on a porch swing and all of a sudden he was like hey go go get your grandma go tell her to get a picture tell her to hurry we need to hurry 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 I run inside to grab her and I grab her and pull her out and then I get out and he's just blowing bubbles with his mouth. He had had a massive heart attack and we were out in Monticello, out in the farm. So there's no way to like get a hot ambulance. Plus it was the early 90s. So even if they had gotten him to the hospital, like there's just not as much technology as we have now. Um, so that experience, like, of course, at the time I didn't understand what was going on, but like watching all these people grieve this man and you know at the funeral and stuff i was just like hey when are we gonna wake up grandpa but you know seeing the firsthand all this grief so early like it really kind of molded and shaped how i saw it later um <laughs> and there was a point eventually where i decided men don't cry boys don't cry and I'm, I'm gonna stop doing that and i just you know cut myself off from that part of life and experience that changed uh, when we had a science teacher. I know, I think Emory had um, the same teacher. I don't know, were we in first period together? Yeah, were we you, were. Yeah, we were in the yeah, same period, first, first period. First period. And um, so this teacher, he passed away over spring break. So we all come back to school, first day of school, and it was like, what do we do? What's going on? Like, they had grieving rooms, grieving counseling that we could go to anytime throughout the day, throughout the week to go talk about things and talk about you know, how you're feeling. But even then, cause it hadn't like hit me. I still like, couldn't cry about it. Like I wouldn't do that. But then when I had this weird dream where I was walking in through New York with some friends and we were just walking down the street and I look over and saw a building that said, this is in memory of Kevin Brown, blah, blah, blah. And it was a tree, like, you know, garden area or whatever. And I just started sobbing in my dream uncontrollably. And I woke up that way too. Just woke up, just tears soaking my pillow. Um, and like ever since I've been able to dry, like at the drop of the hat, like I'm ready, I'm ready to experience that, that emotion, that thing that I wasn't letting myself do before, mm. you know, yeah. and that just being able to cry, was able to get out so much and understand again, some of that grief and like, it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, when, when, you're, when you're told, like, I mean, yeah, it's, I very much feel the same way, especially being conditioned as, as and I feel like it's gotten better, mm. but like, you know, we were growing up in like late eighties, early nineties and stuff like very much felt like boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Like boys don't cry. Men don't show those type of emotions. You hold it in and it really emotionally stunts you. Totally. And then like, yeah, I, I had a dream 
not, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, I was wailing in the dream. Mm-hmm. Like I had never cried like that before. And then I woke up crying because it was like, it was almost like the dream was like, Hey, like Emery, you need to, to do this. You need to, yeah. you need to cry. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to like grieve over stuff that like you, you bottled up and put away and you need to feel this because if you don't like, it's only going to hurt you and you know, as you progress. But like, yeah, that, that feeling is very similar. Like when Mr. Brown passed, I mean, this was, yeah, it was, it was during spring break and him and his daughter passed while in Hawaii and we came back to school and it's like this science teacher, he was our chemistry teacher who was like loved at the school. He was everybody's favorite teacher. Like people loved like, him. And even like I was a terrible chemistry student. <laughs> so he would come around and hand people their tests or quizzes and he'd look at me and he'd always just like fold it up or whatever. And that was like his way to be like, you did not do well. <laughs> but I remember just even like that, like I thought that was very funny and sweet and endearing. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, he would do like science experiments at like our pep rallies and stuff, mm-hmm. which is cool because it's all about like sports. Yeah, we love sports. But it's like, oh, here's a science teacher doing an experiment. Like that like was really cool. stuff up. You were like, yeah, we love this. So like it was, he was such a great person and like, and yeah, I never felt like even for me that I grieved from that. Mm. Like it, cause you just like bottle it in yeah. and you don't know how to do it. I mean, he was one of the people like I joined the science club because I walked outside and I was, was going to my mom, uh, my sister went to height. So I was waiting for her to get picked up and then I'd go home after the car line or whatever. And uh, he was outside with a bunch of students, and they were building a six-foot-tall trebuchet. <laughs> and I was like, what are you guys doing over here? And he's like, oh, it's Science Club. Want to hang out? And I was like, yes, please. Let's do this. <laughs> What's happening? Um, but like, he was one of the first people that really helped me see like it's okay to be my goofy, nerdy self, and people will still like me for it. Yeah. And like when he died, I mean, it was... That hit me hard. Like That sent me into a like super depressive spiral for like at least a year or so. Like I was messed up over him. Well, even that, like he gave you like, he did, he did that for people where like, because you know, you go through high school and like, you know, you're just like, you don't feel like you can be the dorky weird Mm -hmm. self. And like, this is someone who like is clearly a total nerd Mm -hmm. and people love it Mm -hmm. and they love him. And he's, he's his authentic self. So for so many of those high school boys that are like sophomores, just like kind of struggling with that. It's like, Oh, this is like, liberating for us to see someone like this where it's like hey it's cool to be yourself it's cool to be a total dork like (laughs) meeting him and mr quirk at the same time was like perfect (laughs) those two guys like mm. mr quirk is still a teacher yeah he's great but yeah um anyway soon after i'm gonna go jump into other stuff um after that actually it it seemed like death became a constant Mm -hmm. in my life like Every, you know, little bit, somebody else like super important to me passed away for all sort of different reasons. Um, especially even like most recently, uh, what over the first year of COVID time, I had like five major, like close friends or family acquaintances that all passed. Not none of them from COVID Mm. all from entirely different things, heart attack, cancer, um, freak accident, like just nonsense. Like it's always around, but as I'll get into in a bit, some of these drugs and this stuff is able to help me process the things so that it, it, it's not, I don't wallow in it as much as I used to Yeah. when I get in through, you know, experience these losses. Um, 
But yeah, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and go back to, so the church stuff we were talking about earlier, um, when I decided that like I was done, I can't be associated with, you know, Christians anymore. Um, for a while I just did nothing. I did no searching. I was like, I'm just going to do fun, have party, hang out with friends, whatever. Uh, and eventually I started, you know, experimenting with sorted psychedelics, doing some shrooms and doing some acid. And at first it was mostly fun, just hanging out. Um, but then when I started getting into Taoism, I read the Tao Te Ching, um, and I started getting into meditation with, uh, uh, Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra has these, uh, 21 day meditation challenges that he hosts for free, but then you can purchase them afterwards to listen to anytime you want. And, uh, I started getting into those around the time I started getting into Taoism. And then I started meditating while on these drugs and some of those experiences while meditating and fully immersed in LSD in the dark in the basement, like it really, I mean, it was powerful, like things that I saw and experienced and felt, um, to the point where there was one night I had been doing that and I saw some stuff that, you know, made me realize like all the things like I was talking about the Baha'i faith that made me actually start believing and realizing the truth of all the religions being one and all that stuff before I'd ever found the church. Um, but then the next morning after that, I was driving, um, to get some food and my mom called me in a panic and she was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get some breakfast. What's up? And she was like, I had the most vivid dream last night that you died. And it was so, I felt it so real that I had to call you and make sure that you were okay. And I was like, yeah, it's funny you say that because I feel reborn right now. After mm -hmm. what I experienced last night, I, I, part of me is dead. And you just caught me on that tail end. <laughs> wow. And it was weird, like the way, you know, that all went down. But these things, these drugs, I've started using them to help these types of things where it, how to explain it. So a way to describe, uh, how these things work. So like if you, you know, you go skiing, if you were going skiing or like see a ski slope, mm -hmm. um, all through the day, they're skiers skiing and they're doing their thing and they carve out paths in the snow. And then throughout the day, those paths get deeper and deeper and carved more and more and more. And those paths, if you think about it as our brain, that's our regular thought patterns and our habits and our things that we do regularly. We dig those tracks deeper. You get up and you have a cup of coffee in the morning, every morning. You know, that's a habit. That's a track that you've dug into your brain. When you do psychedelic drugs, it's like a fresh plant of snow, a fresh snowfall has come down and covered all of those tracks so that you can create new paths and start new habits and form new thoughts. So like you can use that to change certain, you know, negative thought patterns or negative behaviors that you, you know, are trying to overcome and deal with. I love you that analogy I mean? so I, much. I do. I love uh, that. Yeah. Um, that actually I got from, uh, there's some Netflix specials, 
highly recommend one called uh well the explained series have y'all watched any of the explained series yeah. Bit, yeah so there's a, a limited series the five episode one called the mind explained and they actually just released the mind explained part two that's another four episodes but the first one um it's about like memory mindfulness anxiety um and then there's an episode on psychedelics and how they affect your brain and how what they do and shows a cool image where it shows your brain and all the neurons firing and there's like a couple of them firing but then it shows the brain on psychedelics and it's like all of them everything in your head is just electricity firing from all different connections that normally don't connect to each other so that's how you really can bridge and make new thought patterns because your brain is firing different ways than it normally does and you can really use that to your advantage um, when you're doing it appropriately. I love that idea of meditating during the experience. Mm. Um, because I think for a lot of people just like anecdotally, um, you know, the fear, there's a fear of like having that bad trip. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that is maybe like a loss of control Mm -hmm. uh, over your consciousness. Yeah. Um, and the idea of having something like a guided meditation, mm-hmm. whether it's someone doing it for you in person or you're just watching it online or something like, I feel like that could really like help with all that like brain work you're talking about doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meditating in general has become part of my just every day. Like I got, I have to, if I don't, I feel weird. You know what I mean? Like if I don't get my 20 minutes in the morning, the rest of the day, I'm like antsy and like moving too fast. And you know what I mean? Like messing up. I've tried to get into it. I know other people have too, but it's been kind of a struggle. Is there like a, do you recommend anything for like beginners? People just getting into that type of thing? Totally. I, I definitely recommend these, the Deepak Chopra ones. Um, Calm, the, the, the apps, Calm and Headspace are good. They have nice short eight minute meditations that are easy to that guide you in. Um, one of the biggest things that I prefer for big beginners um, is just the, so hum. Mm. So there's mantras. If you use mantra meditating, it's just a way to think the same thought in your head on repeat. And um, the words so hum is a Sanskrit meaning that means I am. just means I am. But it is also the noise that your body naturally makes when you breathe. So when you breathe in... You're saying so, and then when you breathe out, it's a hum. So if you think those words while you're breathing, it's an easy way to just center yourself and be like, I am, I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm alive, I'm good. And you can adapt that. I like to change it and say, uh, you know, I am love, I am compassion, I am forgiveness, I am whatever, and just think that just over and over. And it helps, you know. Just center yourself, ground yourself a little bit. So how often do you have these kind of like experiences, um, psychedelic experiences? Um, Well, I do. On average, I probably do LSD about twice a month, sometimes every week, but usually, usually twice or once a month. I'll have a good trip and just hang out at the house. I do, I get, get a lot of work done, like, it, cause it helps me focus. So like mm-hmm. I'll do housework, I do laundry, I clean the house and then I hang out and watch movies and do some writing or, you know, whatever, play some music. Um, but it's, it just helps me like reorganize my head. 
you know, like I can tell if it's been a long time since I've done it and I've just got, you know, just clutter in my head. It's all scattered around in there and then doing a good, having a good psychedelic experience, I'm able to kind of reorganize and sort my thoughts so I can figure out what's important for the week and what I need to be thinking about coming up. And in other ways though, I use so that LSD is like more for a big, a whole day. Like I'm going to be tripping for a day, you know, hanging out. Um, but I'll even like, I, I go and do stuff. Like I've done so many different things on it and people don't know I'm tripping cause I'm just hanging out and they can't tell cause I'm myself. I'm, I feel more me mm. when I'm on acid. I'm okay being me mm. and not, I don't feel anxiety about being, you know, having to act or be the certain way or put on a certain, you know, routine for people. Um, but in other ways, so, um, mushrooms, psilocybin, uh, those I use in a different way. I still do, you know, every now and again, I'll take a few so I can trip and go see a concert or something. But, um, I use those more in microdose form. So there's ways if you use very small, very low doses of mushrooms, um, it's kind of like, uh, explain, you've played Halo before. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing a video game like Halo, you've got that shield, that energy shield all around you. And when you get hit, it takes down the shield, but you don't get hurt. It just takes the shield down and then it recharges. That's what microdosing mushrooms feels like. But that shield is like a serotonin bubble. So mm-hmm. when I take a microdose mushroom, I don't trip. I'm not feeling weird and trippy throughout the day. Um, I just feel good. I get that serotonin shield and like the stuff that normally would happen throughout the day and it would bug me or bother me or I'd be thinking about it all day, you know, just the stresses and worries of the day. Instead of digging in, they kind of bounce off that shield and I recognize it. I feel it bounce off the shield and I go, oh, that happens. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll deal with that later. I'm taking care of this now. And it doesn't distract and bother and ruin my flow or what I've got going on, everything else. You know what I mean? Um, and those, it's just take one every few days. Um, and it just keeps that shield recharged. Hmm. Um, they're interesting. And I've, I've had so many friends using them for so many different things too. Uh, one friend quit cigarettes with them. Um, it helped them ease that cause they had that serotonin lift, that dopamine kick that cigarettes was giving them through the mushrooms instead. So they were still happy and enjoyable and they didn't like, they weren't, you know, all angry and agitated from going through cigarette withdrawals. Mm. Um, and then other friends, you know, getting lower on their anti-anxiety or antidepressant meds. Um, one friend even said his father, he has like a, a nerve disease and the microdose shrooms are the only thing that helps cut the pain. He's tried all kinds of different painkillers and pain remedies and whatever, but none of them work as well as one little quarter gram microdose capsule. It cuts off that nerve pain. Wow. And it, it blew my mind when he told me that. Because <laughs> wow. I was like, I know they help for the, some stuff, but I didn't know they'd help for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, wow. It's crazy. It's huh. really interesting. Like, I, it makes me want to do more research on it because I know you said you've really like dove into the totally. research a ton. And, yeah. yeah. There's, um, there's a website called uh, doubleblindmag.com. And on that site, they, it is all about psychedelic research. They do publish a physical magazine that comes out once a quarter. Um, but the, they have a lot of articles just on the website and they talk about the benefits and the, the, you know, 
how microdosing helps, how different psychedelics help in different scenarios, how Molly is like a great PTSD remedy. Mm. Like if you do low, do low doses of Molly every now and again, it totally can help overcome that some of that PTSD stuff that soldiers have going on. And they're doing all kinds of studies on that right now. Is not for everyone. I will say like, you know, all drugs react differently to all people because we all are different. We all have different stuff going in our head. So my experience <laughs> with these things might not be yours on any given day. Mm. But it really is still all about set and setting. When you're going into this situation, if you're in the right headspace and you're in the right mood and you have the right people around you, and it, it, it's going to be good. Like the fear of having a bad experience, it, it goes away when you're in the right set and setting. Awesome. Well, um, I wish we could keep talking about this, but unfortunately we're out of time. <laughs> I totally understand. Uh, so let's do a quick lightning round of gratitudes. Hey, I said it before, but I said it last week um, with uh, my cat who's been sick. Uh, I'm just grateful to have more days with him. Still mm -hmm. kind of, you know, a lot of uncertainty. He was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease and he's very young. Um, but yeah, just nice to have more days of my little furry companion. All the treats and snuggles. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful just to be here for this. This is a great experience chatting with you guys. And I'm really grateful for this concert I'm going to tomorrow. I'm going to see Andy Grammer in Cleveland. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> nice. nice. Very cool. Uh, I am grateful that uh, my mom is getting settled into her new house. She... Uh, She's been renting since she's been living in Louisville, which has been a few years. And um, she went through a divorce a few years ago before she moved here. And I just feel like this is, you know, my parents got divorced when I was nine. And this is the longest time I've seen her single. And she just seems so happy. Mm -hmm. um, and she is. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and like having her own house just feels so representative of that, yeah. like, autonomy mm -hmm. and just like okayness with herself and mm -hmm. not having to deal with like the stress of you know dysfunctional relationships just totally. like so happy for her that she's in that place good for awesome. your mom yeah that's awesome that rules. all right well daniel thank you so much for coming on the show i feel like i learned so much yeah, awesome thank you guys i'm so glad to be here this is great awesome all right well uh Thanks for listening and keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.